All right, go ahead and sit down. How many got to greet someone? Good, 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 good. Man, you guys are really good at that. You're, you're a friendly church, aren't you? Amen. I've sensed that. The other thing I've learned about you this week is you are a very, yeah. Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, it went away. That's all we got. That's it. That's it. The other thing I've learned about you this week is I've learned that you're very punctual. You're punctual people. You're not late, but you're not necessarily early. So I would go and sit down. And I was like, well, I don't know where the crowd is. And then I'd stand up. And I'd be like, oh, wow, where did they come from? So it's really neat. Pastor, I'm sure, enjoys that. I'm really sure he enjoys that. Um, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. Well, we are so excited you are here. Uh, man, look at your neighbor and say, I'm so excited you're here. Look at your other neighbor and say, Jesus wants to speak to you tonight. And he will. He will. Amen. Well, I want to I tell you about two things just real quick as you're, as you're turning to Luke chapter 3. I want to tell you about two things. Uh, in Kennel Ministries, uh, our heart is to bring unity, hope, and healing to our communities. And so what we're really passionate about right now, actually, as a matter of fact, we've really been passionate. Uh, we want to see, see revival in the church of America. We want to see revival uh, specifically in the United States of America. How many believe we need to revival? Amen. Well, as we have begun to study, see, we, we are very passionate. We pray. That's kind of what our, our Kindle is all about is, is we believe very strongly in prayer. As a matter of fact, we've had 500 people praying for you this week. Isn't that awesome? So 500 people have committed to pray for you this week. And so we've been very passionate about prayer. One of the, one of the projects we're, we're deeply involved in or getting started, getting ready to launch is Operation Breathe Life. See, we believe you cannot have revival until we take our hands that are shedding innocent blood in the nation of America. Until that ends, we're not going to experience revival. So we are very passionate about ending abortion. And so we are part of this Operation Breathe Life, which we're not really focused on the abortion part. What we're focused upon is we're focused on going to our communities and breathing life into the laborers of our community and those who are breathing life into young women who are making a choice. And so we are going in and we're pouring into crisis pregnancy centers. And so what we do every Friday from Friday from 7 o'clock p.m., 7 p.m. to Saturday at 7 p.m., we have 24-hour prayer, okay? And so we would love for you to be a part of that. It is super simple to be a part of. You just go to inkindleministries.com. You sign up for the prayer thing. Yes, my wife should have made this announcement. Yes, she's in charge of this. So you sign up for a time slot. You only have to pray for an hour. And you say, well, that sounds like a long time. An hour is actually not that long. And hey, you don't have to be like on the floor praying, although you can get on the floor pray. But the idea is just to pray. And every week we have focused prayers. So we would love for you to be a part of that. So if you say, hey, I have a passion to pray. I want to be a part of a group of people who are praying for revival in America. Uh, this week we are focused on marriages. We're praying for marriages. So if you want to be a part of that, see my wife. She'll give you the address and you can be a part of that. Okay? 30 minute time slots. Got all that wrong. <laughs> As you can see. Yeah, 46 of them. Wow. Well, she should have made that announcement. Yeah. So pray for my marriage this week. I need you to sign up. <laughs> Second thing I wanted to share with you. Look at your neighbor and say, no pressure. Oh, look at your other neighbor and say, there is no pressure on this. About a year ago, about actually about two years ago, the Lord came to me, and uh, I was actually traveling full-time in evangelism. I was going out two to three times a month. My wife was with my daughter at home. At that time, we were trying to make ends meet, so she was a registered nurse. God came to me and, and just began to speak to me because I was going out so much uh, that God just said, I didn't want to go out and win the whole world and lose my family. And so God really came and began to speak to me about buying a motorhome or a bus and my family going on the road full time. And as you can see, it's actually parked out here in the parking lot. I'm the one taking up all those parking spaces, okay? <laughs> That's me. That's my home, okay? I brought my home to church, mobile home. Isn't that awesome? 
But anyways, so the Lord said, what I want you to do is I want you to go, and I, I just want you to begin to put effort towards this bus. And so how many of you know Jeremiah Bullock? Has anybody ever, ever heard of him? I actually bought his bus or his RV because he settled down. And so um, I went on the road, and I began to raise money and awareness for that bus. Uh, and so what we're doing this week, or actually this year, is we have been in the bus for our very first winter. Amen? Now, let me tell you, RVs were not created for the cold. They were created to be bought up north and pulled south for the winter. And so I ended up in Michigan in January, where it was negative six, right? Next January, I will be in California. I'm sure God's going to call me there. So what happened is we've got about $3,000 in repairs that we have to make on the bus. And so people come up to us and say, hey, listen, how can we get involved in your ministry? We believe in you and Broken Alley, and we want to support you. And maybe you say, hey, I want to support you monthly. If that's you, we have these cool little envelopes. We are a 501c3, so it's a tax donation. And so if you want to be a part of that and you say, hey, listen, I've got so much money, I don't know what to do with it all, and I want to give to the kingdom, right? The kingdom is priority in my life. And you know what the Lord's been teaching me? Don't give out of your wealth, but get out, give out of my wealth. Because you realize he has all the money in the world. So when he tells me to give, I just give. Why? Because he has the money. So, hey, if you want to be a part of that, we've got those back there. Again, there's no pressure on that, but I call it hilarious giving. Okay, you're not laughing. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 3, we're going to dive into verse 23 tonight. Um, we're going to see how far we get. Luke, Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Listen to what it says. Start, we'll start in verse 21 because we've kind of been working through this passage this week. So we'll start in verse 21. Listen to what it says. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. As he was praying, heaven was open. The spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthet, the son of Levi. We're not going to read all those, but jump all the way down to verse 38. The son of Adam, the son of God. Jesus, we thank you tonight for who you are. I pray, Jesus, tonight that we would have the revelation of truth in our hearts. I pray tonight, Jesus, that we would, we would understand who you are. We would understand what happened to you down at the river. And I pray that we would have that encounter, that we're your sons. We are your daughters. We have been adopted into the kingdom. And the most important thing that we could ever understand is our identity in you. And Jesus, we thank you that you call us the beloved. And I pray tonight that we'd be able to receive the Father's love. I pray tonight that we'd recognize, Dad, that every thought that you have about us is good. It's blessed. You've never said one bad thing about us. And I thank you for that revelation. I pray, Jesus, that you would launch us out into sonship and daughtership that would begin to transform our communities. We love you and we praise you tonight. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. While we've been diving into the book of Luke, the writer of the book of Luke is? Luke. Luke, very good. You got confident with that. He parallels two individuals. He parallels the life of John, and he parallels him to the life of Jesus. Have you asked yourself why yet? Okay, you have it. Uh, ask your neighbor, why? Oh, good. I'll answer that question. I'm glad you asked. Okay, here is why he parallels John to Jesus. It is not a contrast, it's a parallel. And the parallel is John, according to Luke chapter 7, was the greatest Old Testament prophet that ever lived. Jesus himself said, born of women, there was no one greater than John. Do you realize John was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb? John took the Nazarite vow. No alcohol. Man, he could have been Nazarene. <laughs> right? So you understand that John 
was the greatest Old Testament prophet that ever lived. And so what Luke is doing is Luke is paralleling. He is showing you the culmination of the Old Testament. He is showing you the culmination of everything that is old. He is showing you the last Old Testament prophet to live was John, but now there is a linchpin or there is something that is happening in verse 21, 22, and 23, and it is literally shifting and transitioning. The best way I can describe it is a teeter-totter. Have you ever been on a teeter-totter? What's the idea of a teeter-totter? Allie, my daughter, loves teeter-totters. And the idea is you got one end down and one end up, right? And so Allie will come on a teeter-totter and she'll sit down and that end will go down. And then she'll say, dad, sit on the teeter-totter. And so I sit on the teeter-totter and Allie goes flying. No, just kidding. She doesn't do that. But she goes up. This is the idea. This is what's happening. There's a tipping point. There's a launching point. There's a linchpin happening right here. We are transitioning from the old. We are transitioning from Old Testament prophet. We are transitioning from the old covenant and we are launching into something new. And this is so radical for Luke that Luke wants to nail this down for you. So he parallels two individuals. And so he says, John is the greatest Old Testament prophet that ever lived. But then he says, John is the least in the kingdom of God. Because you understand what was born down at the river, the launching of the kingdom and what Jesus is about ready to step into and release for all eternity. John is the least in that kingdom. So God is doing something new. So notice what happens, and we've already talked about this. So Jesus shows up where John is. John baptizes Jesus, and he baptizes him into a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, you would say, well, why would Jesus need the forgiveness of sins? He didn't. We believe that Jesus was God, and we also believe that Jesus never sinned. Because if Jesus sinned, he would not have been able to pay the penalty of our sin on the cross. He would have been just like Adam who sinned. So we believe Jesus never sinned, so Jesus really didn't need the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So you would say, well, why did Jesus get baptized then? Well, maybe he's trying to be a good example. Maybe he's trying to show you what you need to do. Maybe he's saying, hey, I'm faking you out. I really don't need this, but I'm doing it anyways. No, no. What he's actually doing, remember, the idea of baptism of repentance had the idea to turn from a former thought and to embrace a new thought. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus went down to the Jordan River, what was the occupation of Jesus? He was a carpenter. What did Jesus do? Carpentry. That was his profession. But after he gets baptized by John and he comes out of the river, guess what? Jesus never goes back to carpentry, but Jesus steps into something new. Well, what does he step into? Let's look at this. As he was praying, so we talked about this Sunday, there's this atmosphere of prayer. Jesus is down there. He's releasing an atmosphere of prayer. And as he's releasing this atmosphere of prayer, we talked about this Sunday night. All of a sudden, heaven was ripped wide open. The spirit of God descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, which is really significant because you understand the spirit is invisible. But in this moment, the spirit becomes visible. Well, why? Because God is trying to show you all that is going on in heaven because God has literally ripped open heaven. He has kicked open the door. That's as high as I can get my leg. I walked four miles today. Too much popcorn at Royal King. But anyways. So God has kicked open the door, man. And literally, the spirit descends like a dove, and there's a manifestation of the spirit in physical form. And the spirit comes, and the spirit rests upon Jesus. And for the first time, folks, in the old covenant, the spirit would come, but the spirit would always leave. 
That's why the prophet Jeremiah says, the word of God came to me, and then the next day he said, the word of God came to me, and then the next day he says, the word of God came to me. So he gives you the connotation that the word of God comes and the word of God leaves us. But you understand down at the river in this moment, heaven has been torn open. God has kicked open the door. The spirit of God descends on Jesus and it never leaves. And there is a merger that is happening down at the river. There is a merger of the kingdom in Jesus' life. You understand that God is not the kingdom. You are not the kingdom. But there's something happens when the Father, the Son, and the Spirit come together in intimacy. There is a merger that happens, and the kingdom of God is not a place where you are going. The kingdom of God is inside of you because the Spirit of God has come down on your life, and the Spirit of God is upon you. So the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are literally merged together in your life, and there's a level of intimacy intimacy, there's a level of the kingdom that's happening inside of you. Woo! That'll get you excited. That got me excited. Okay. And then a voice comes from the sky, which is really significant because the voice is external. The voice comes from heaven. And this is the last time the voice of God is external. He only, he only speaks in John chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 9, but when God speaks external, it is never for Jesus. Why? Because the voice came from the sky and the voice said, listen, I am doing something new. There's been external communication. How do you talk to God? In the old covenant, you would say, God, you're out there. I need to hear from you. Will you speak? But in the new covenant, you understand God is not out there anymore. You are a merger of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is inside of you, demonstrating itself out of your life and the voice of God is no longer out there. The voice of God is in here. Do you get that? So you don't have to say, God, what do you want to do? You can say, God, what do you want to do? Because you're in me. And this is no longer external communication. But you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. And God wants you to know where he's headed. And so this is so radical. I mean, this is so radical, folks. This was so radical for them. I mean, this is so radical for them that this all, we talk about it in terms of an old covenant, a new covenant. We talk about it in an old way, in a new way. They talked about it in old wineskins, new wine. I mean, this was so radical that God comes and says, well, what can I, Luke comes and says, well, how can I talk to you about this? How can I talk to you about this kingdom idea? How can I talk to you about the next thing that we are entering into, that we are participating? It says in, the, in Luke that the prophets longed for what you have. They longed for the intimacy of God that you have. Do you realize you have a greater intimacy with the Father than Isaiah, than Jeremiah, than Moses. Some of these in the Old Testament, they longed for the new covenant. Ezekiel says, no longer will you have to know what I'm saying. I will take my word. I will write it on your mind. I will put it in your heart. And this is so radical. Luke says, how can I get this across to you? And so this is what he says. And this is how he records it. A voice came from heaven saying, you are my son. Do you realize what we're stepping into in the new deal is we are stepping into sons and daughters of God. What we're stepping into the new deal is we're stepping into the family of God. What we're stepping into the new deal is the old man has gone and the new man has come. We talk about it in terms of new birth. 
Why? Because the old Chad is gone and the new Chad has come and I am a son of God and I'm stepping into the kingdom of God and the whole kingdom of God flows out of me through sonship. Because that's who I am. And so my identity is not wrapped up in preaching. It doesn't matter if I preach. My identity is wrapped up in sonship. And what is sonship all about? What is daughtership all about? Two things. Notice what it says. You, you are my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So the idea of sonship, when you step into sonship, when you step into daughtership, when you step into this encounter at the Jordan River, and we will have an encounter with God, everyone will experience an encounter of God. Folks, this is not head knowledge. See, you can know the right doctrines and still end up in hell. Why? Because the enemy knows the right doctrine, but he doesn't know him. So this isn't head knowledge, this is heart knowledge. This is not, well, I know the right ideas or the right words or the right things to say. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about, have you had an encounter with your father? Have you had an encounter with God? Have you had an encounter down by the Jordan River? Not maybe by the river, but have you had an encounter in revival where the spirit of God began to do a work in you and it is so radical in your life that people look at you and say, man, the old person is gone, the new person has come. If that happens in your life, you know what I'd call you? Christian. Right? That's Christianity. Two ideas of sonship. First idea. Be loved. Do you know you only have two jobs in Christianity? There's really only two jobs. It's it's really not hard. Christianity, we make Christianity so hard, and it's not. It's simple. Do you know what you need to do? First idea. You are my son, my beloved. The word beloved simply means be loved. Do you know sometimes that's hard? Do you know sometimes it's hard to let people love you? Especially when you've been hurt? or when people have disappointed you. Sometimes it's hard to let people in. But do you understand that there's a father in heaven who radically just loves you? And folks, he doesn't love you because you come to church. See, he doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because you're bad. See, he doesn't love you because, well, I've cleaned up my act. See, he doesn't love you for that. Do you realize that you have a God in heaven? You have a father in heaven who wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter, and he wants to pour out his love on you, and you have one job in Christianity. Let him love you. That's it. Give you an illustration of this. Jordan's not here. So I'll give you this illustration. How many know Jordan? Oh, yeah. Anyways, Jordan Eggleston. He was my intern for the summer. And so we had this dog, okay, Airedale Terrier. She was 95 pounds. And we thought it was a really good idea to get her. Um, At the time, she was an Airedale Terrier, and she was of the orang. And we found out later uh, that they used them to hunt bear, which is really good because we got a lot of bear in Aiken, South Carolina in our little subdivision. Bears running everywhere. Not really. And so she had a lot of energy. And she also had this uncanny ability to eat anything. As a matter of fact, Jordan was there one, one summer and we, we actually, they actually, they went and they bought a giant cantaloupe. And they put it on the counter. And I woke up in the morning and I came down and I, and, and I was looking, and on the floor in a neat pile were all these little seeds. And I look at Alexia, and I said, well, and she comes in, she got her head down. I said, what did you do? What did you eat? And so I asked Jordan, I said, well, what did you guys buy? He's like, well, and he's going through a list. He's like, I don't know what those are. And then he's like, oh, wait a second. 
we bought a giant cantaloupe. And what she had done is she had gotten out of the counter and knocked the cantaloupe down, but apparently she didn't like the seeds, so she spit those out in a very small pile <laughs> and ate the entire thing. But the other ability that that dog had is she was a dog who hated to be loved on. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever just, you know, a dog comes up to you and you just rub on their head or maybe you, you, you rub their ears and they sit there. She would not do that. If she came and you sat and you started rubbing on her and petting her head, I mean, she would literally take off. She hated to be loved on. Do you realize that's us? See, sometimes we think we've got to come to God and we've got to clean up our act. We say, well, God, I'll become a Christian or hey, God, I'll go to church or hey, God, I'll, I'll, I'll get into this, but God, come on, I, I gotta clean some stuff up first. Do you realize that is so foreign to the sonship idea? Why? Because God already loves you and it doesn't have to do with what you do. He radically loves you. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, he talks about the love of the Father. And he talks about the love of the Father, and he talks about it being a giant ocean. How many have ever been to the ocean? Yes. He talks about, go ahead, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Let's, let's, let's walk through this. Let's imagine you're standing on the ocean, and you're there, and I want you to walk all the way up to where you just put your feet in very lightly. And I want you to listen to the sounds. Oh, oh, that's my seagull. Might not have helped you, but you're standing there in the ocean and the ocean is lapping over you. And I want you to look out and I want you to see that the ocean is endless. See, to your eye, you can't see the depth of the ocean. You can't see how far the ocean stretches. You can open your eyes. A.W. Tozer said that is a picture of the Father's love. Do you realize that the, the love of God is endless? Do you realize the love of God is deeper than you could ever imagine? Me and my wife, we love to go to the beach every year. And we love to experience the ocean. And Allie loves to experience the ocean with us. And what we do is we, we grab hold and, and I always take my wife's hand and I take Allie's hand and we always go to the edge. And the ocean will come and it'll crash over our feet. And it's a picture of the Father's love. And you would look at me and you would say, well, Chad, are you experiencing the ocean? Well, yes. I'm experiencing the ocean. Now, Allie always looks at me and says, Dad, I want to go deeper. And I always look at my wife and she says, go ahead. She won't go past her ankles because of sharks that swim in the ocean. So she's like, nope, I'm good. I'll stay right here. And so I always scoop up Allie and I say, okay, Allie, let's go. And, and so I'll take Allie and I'll run all the way up to my knees. And I'll look back and my wife will be at her feet and the ocean will be lapping over her feet. And Allie and I will, will be standing there and, and, and the waves will come in and Allie will jump over the wave. And Allie is experiencing the ocean. And you would say, well, Chad, are you and Allie experiencing the ocean? Yes, we are. And then you would say, well, is Brooke experiencing the ocean? Well, yes, she is. But do you realize as I go deeper into the ocean, I'm experiencing a depth of the ocean that someone else might not be experiencing? Experiencing. And then Allie will look at me and say, Dad, let's go deeper. And so I'll, I'll grab a hold of her and, and, and I'll say, okay, Allie. Um, uh, and I call Brooke together. And then I say, okay, Allie, how deep do you want to go? And, and she says, man, I want to go way out there. And so I say, okay, Brooke, are you ready? One, two, three. And then what we do is we launch her out there. No. <laughs> We do not do that. 
what we do is I pick her up and I go a little bit deeper. And then I'll go up to my chest and then that's about as far as I can go with her. But you understand as I'm up at my chest, man, everything below my neck and my chest is experiencing the ocean. Now Brooke is back there and she's experiencing the ocean on her feet. But do you understand that I'm experiencing a whole level of the intensity of the ocean that she might not be experiencing? What if I told you that the Father's love is inexhaustible? What if I told you for the rest of eternity, we will literally be pressing deeper and deeper and deeper into the Father's love. We'll get over our head with the Father's love, man. We'll need scuba gear with the Father's love because we are going deeper and deeper and deeper and we're pressing and pressing and pressing. And what if you could never exhaust it? Yeah. He said, whoa. That's it. What if that could be us? And what if we're standing on the shore and we've got the Father's love lapping on our feet and we're like, woo, we're good. And what if God has so much more for us? And what if your job, now remember your job is to let God love you. Be loved. Let God love on you. Let God push you deeper into the ocean of who he is. Let him exhaust, push you deeper into the inexhaustible love of the Father. And what would it look like in your intimacy, even now with Allie, my daughter? We're growing in our relationship. Because when she was a baby, I loved her, but I would feed her and I'd change her diapers, but I would sit down and watch ESPN. And she would sit in her chair. And she would just look at me and suck on a little binky. But now you understand she's five. And so my love for her, it's not gotten greater, but there's a different level of intensity of love for her because she comes in and says, oh, dad, look, we'll walk into a restaurant. She knows I like to watch basketball. So we'll walk into a restaurant and she'll say, dad, look, basketball. She also knows I love the Incredibles 2 movie. Okay, anyways. So she knows that. And so every time that comes on, she's like, dad, look, Incredibles 2. Are you excited? And we're beginning to walk in a new level of an intensity of love. What if that was our life as sons and daughters? What if as we mature, we walk in new levels of the Father's love? And what if your job is to simply let God love you? And it's not what you do, it's not your church attendance, it's not what you say, it's not necessarily right doctrine, all those things are important, but what's really important is allowing God just to love on you. And if you will truly understand that God loves you and cares for you, and he wants you to be his son and his daughter, then you will step into the kingdom and you'll begin to realize that ministry is not something you do, but ministry is a result of dad's love for me. And I can't help but give dad away wherever I go because he loves me, so I've got to love you. And it's not, a, it's not like, well, I got to love you. Even though I don't like you, I got to love you because you guys are Ohio State fans. I got to love you. <laughs> That's a whole, another story. Anyways, it's not that, it's I have so much love bubbling up in my heart because God just loves me and he's wrecked my world and I can't help but love you because he loves me. That's what's happening to Jesus. Second idea, real quick. He says, son, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The idea of well-pleased literally has the idea that every thought that God has about you and had about Jesus was good. Do you know, I heard my mentor say this, do you know God has never had one bad thought about you? Isn't that incredible? God has never said one bad word about you. And you say, well, where do all those bad thoughts come from? 
Why do I hear all this negative stuff? Why do I hear accusation? Why do I hear slander? Do you know where that comes from? It's the enemy. See, God's never said one bad thing about you. As a matter of fact, if you went into Ephesians chapter one, the whole idea of the throne room, literally the whole blessed idea of the throne room is that God's thoughts are so pure, so holy, so loved that literally the throne room of God is like this fog of blessedness. So in the heavenly realm, when we get into the third heaven, we're gonna begin to see the very fragrance and atmosphere of God is God's thoughts about heaven and about you. And all those thoughts are love. All those thoughts are good. All those thoughts, none of them are bad. God's never said one bad thing about you ever. And that is the very fragrance of heaven. So God is pleased with you. Now, we gotta get into the night's message. So verse 23, hold on. So we'll be out here, give me an hour. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm just gonna review. Look at your neighbor and say, he's kidding. (laughs) Hold on. Listen to what he says. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. I got got to address this because this drives me nuts, okay? So you say, okay, Jesus has this encounter with God at revival. Jesus has this encounter at the Jordan River. So the start of the ministry of John started in uh, Luke 3, 1, 2, and 3. So the start of ministry of Jesus is happening verses 21, 22, and 23. I would tell you, you were wrong. Jesus is not starting his ministry. As a matter of fact, if you had a Bible, uh, if you had a newer Bible, it would say, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. The word his ministry would be in italics. It would actually be in italics because it's not actually there. And so what's happening is the commentators are trying to help you understand what's happening down at the Jordan River. And so they're saying, oh, well, Jesus was 30 years old, right, when he began his ministry. Well, the connotation of that is you can't start ministry till you get 30 years old. Well, you know that's not true. So what are the commentators saying? Why, why would they add his ministry? Well, if you went back to the original language and you translated this, it actually reads, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began to be. What? Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began to be. Well, what did he begin to be? A son of God. So you understand that ministry is not activity. Ministry is not something you do. Ministry is not something you pull off. You don't say, oh, well, hey, I'm gonna go into ministry. No, what I contend and what Luke is contending is throw out the whole idea of going into ministry. Throw out the whole idea, oh, well, I'm in ministry. Just throw that whole thing out. What I want you to get into is I want you to get into sonship. If you were to get into the idea that you have an encounter with God down at the river, you've had an encounter with God and you realize that the Father loves you and he is well pleased with you and, the, and you have become the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is now inside of you then you have become a son and daughter of God. And wherever you go, ministry is going to happen because it's a result of what's going on inside of you. Amen. So it's not like, well, Jesus was 30 when he, when he started his ministry. No, Jesus was 30 when he had an encounter with God and that encounter with God so, reckly, so radically wrecked his life that the kingdom of God was born and Jesus was launched out into to, to sonship and wherever Jesus went, ministry happened. So that's so good for you because that means you don't have to be in full-time ministry to actually do ministry. All you have to be is into full-time Jesus, full-time sonship, full-time daughtership, and ministry will be a result of what's going on in your life. And Luke hammers this home with a genealogy. How many love genealogies? Have you ever had a hard time sleeping at night? Get you a good genealogy, it'll help you. He hammers this home, he says, he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. So what he's doing is he's hammering home, he's giving you a double emphasis on sonship. He just came out 
What did Jesus become? He became a son of God. There's a whole new thing that's happening in the kingdom. What's the new thing that God wants to do? God is starting a new race called sons and daughters of God who are loved by the Father, who are well-pleased by God. They know God's not against them. God is for them. God's never said a bad thing about them. They know who they are in Jesus, and literally they are being launched out into sonship, and ministry is happening all around them because sonship is what they've just encountered. And so Luke says, hey, I'm gonna hammer this home. You thought he was the, uh, he was the son of Joseph, but he's not the son of Joseph. He's the son of God. So I'm gonna give you a genealogy to double emphasize sonship. That's good news for us. Because that means we're not limited to Pastor Paul's ministry. Don't amen. <laughs> no, we love him, but he can't win a town. And you understand in Ephesians chapter four, there's offices, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, there's teachers. And so Pastor Paul has an office, but his job is to equip the saints. So his job is to literally come underneath you to encourage you and say, listen, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're loved by dad, man. God has good thoughts about you. Oh, no, 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 don't think that thought, that's not from God. Why? That's the thought from the enemy. I recognize that thought, I smell it. No, that's not who you are. You're a son and daughter of God. I'm gonna launch you out into this world. I'm gonna cut you loose in Marysville. Hey, we're gonna go over to the pavilion. Why? Because we're sons and daughters of God filled with the Father's love, going deeper into his heart, deeper into the ocean. We're never stopping. We're pressing into him. And what could happen if he launched us out? Well, people might get healed. People might get set free. People might have a radical encounter with the presence of God because the presence of God is in us because we're sons and daughters. And do you realize this is what he's been after since the beginning of time? And it's here. And I say it's coming to a close. We're nearing the end. So this is the hour of abundant harvest. And what is the harvest? To get as many sons and daughters of God as we can. Because there's a God in heaven who loves them. And he wants to use you to make this happen give you an illustration of this. This is my closing. I'm going to close with this. Brooke and I, in April, put our house on the market. In April, we put our house on the market. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome, putting our house on the market. I do a lot of youth camps. <laughs> I really do. I love youth camps. But hey, you guys can't miss this, because you're the generation that God has raised up to be the overcomer generation that is gonna set course for revival. So I can't let you miss it. I can't let you miss it. So we sell our house in April, and so there's some things we gotta do. And one of the things, we gotta redo the kitchen floor. So my father comes down, we're gonna redo the kitchen floor, and so I just get off of revival, and I'm coming home, and, and um, we're starting to do the kitchen floor, and I don't know, um, men, if you're like me, but when I get in a mindset, I get in a mindset. So I'm in a mindset, I'm in my box, kitchen floor. So I head over to Home Depot and I'm there at Home Depot and I'm thinking kitchen floor, we're gonna tile the kitchen floor. And so we gotta get the tile, we gotta get the backer board, we gotta get the screws, we gotta get the, uh, the cement, we gotta get all that stuff. And so I'm thinking, you know, kitchen floor, that's what I'm thinking. Why? Because that's the box I'm in. So hey, I'm kitchen floor and, and so I'm there and, and I don't know if you've ever been to Home Depot or Lowe's, but they got these things I call idiot lights. Or if you can't find something, you go hit the button and the light goes, woo, 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 woo. Look at this guy. He can't find anything. Woo, woo. Anyways, uh, probably not the purpose of that. But anyways, so I hit the button and, and I'm over in tile. And finally, all of a sudden, this guy comes walking down the aisle. And I'm looking for the tile section. And, and so I'm trying to get help. And, and so he comes walking down the aisle. And all of a sudden, I hear in the back of my mind, I hear this. It's that, it's that, it was almost like, what? And I look at him again, and I was like, 
And so I said, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, hey, good, what do you need? I said, hey, we need, you know, do tile. He's like, oh, okay, okay, come on, come on with me. So he, he gets ahead of us, and I'm pulling a cart, and so he's ahead of us, and he's leading us to the tile. And, he, you know, he's probably five feet ahead of us, and all of a sudden I hear again. He can't hear out of his right ear. And I'm thinking, what? Kitchen floor, tile, right ear. What is this? So we get to the tile section, and so I'm asking all these questions about tile, and so, so finally we get all the tile loaded up, and so we got two, two big carts that we're pulling through Home Depot, and, and finally we get, we take, he's a really nice guy, and so he comes all the way up, and, and uh, he comes all the way up to the cash register, and I'm standing there, and I hear it again. He can't hear out of his right ear. Think of what in the world. And I'm looking at him. Say, okay, this may be God, but I don't know why he's speaking to me because I'm laying kitchen floor. <laughs> you ever been there? So I'm thinking about this and I'm processing through this. I'm thinking, hmm. And so we go through and, and we begin to load up the van and, and uh, he's like, listen, man, you're not gonna get all this in the van. You're gonna, you're gonna bottom out your van. So you, we're gonna have to set this aside. He said, what, what do you need to do? Just call me. Uh, I'll be in the back. He says, call me. We can load this up when you come back. I said, okay. So I hop in the, in, in the car and I'm, I'm headed home and I got my father-in-law over there and, and um, I hear it again. He cannot hear out of his right ear. I want you to pray for him. I'm thinking, what? I was like, all right, God. This is you. Have you ever made a deal with God? I do this all the time. I was like, let's make a deal, which he always wins. But anyways, yeah, yeah, you know. So I was like, God, if this is you, just have him come back and I'll pray for him. I'll pray for him. If this is you, I'll pray for him. I'll pray for his right ear in Home Depot. No big deal. So uh, we, we unload all that stuff. My father-in-law says, hey, I'm gonna stay back. I said, okay, that's fine. He'll help me. And so, so I, get, I go back and, and I pull up and I get out and I can't find him anywhere. And so I have the lady call back there. And she calls back and says, hey, you know, the, you know, the customer's here to load up the rest of the tile. And so I'm like, okay. And, and, then, and then she puts her phone down and he says, listen, someone else is gonna come out because this young man, he's on break. I was like, all right, God. If this is you, you gotta make him come. Which probably wasn't the best idea because I sat there for 15 minutes. And then she gets a call and she picks it up and she says, oh, oh, he just got off break. He's coming. I said, okay. And sure enough, I look down the aisle. There he is. He's coming down the aisle. And God's speaking to me the whole time. I want you to pray for him. Now, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone. Like I could pray for you in church, but Home Depot tile aisle, I don't know. But I was like, all right. But as soon as he's coming up, there's a young man walking with him. And I know instantly in my spirit, if that young man's with him, he will not, he will not receive this prayer. So I said, God, you gotta do something because I know he won't receive that prayer if that young man stays with him. He's walking, I'm watching this. He's walking about halfway and the young man's coming to help load the tile. And so my friend, I call him my friend, he's, he's coming and all of a sudden, you know, those, those uh, uh, forklifts, beep, 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 beep. Well, a forklift, beep, 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 pulls right out in front of him. And so the, the young man who's not gonna receive, he starts talking to the forklift driver. I'm watching this play out. And he starts talking to the forklift dryer. And he looks over at my friend and says, go ahead, go ahead. And so now he's coming by himself. This has got to be a coincidence. And so he comes. And so I'm thinking, man, I think he can't hear out of his right ear. And I need to pray for this guy. And so we go and, and we load all the stuff up. And the whole time I'm just thinking about this. And it's one of those moments I'm waiting to the last second. Have you ever been there? And now we're down to the last box. And I'm thinking, oh man, we're down to the last box. I don't know what to do. Uh, and so he's like, let me get that. I was like, no, I'll get it. And so, so I go to pick it up and I put it in there. And then I, and he's like, hey man, thanks for coming. Thanks for buying. And I said, hey man, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure. I said, can you not hear out of your right ear? And his jaw just dropped. And he looked at me and he said, how'd you know that? He kind of stepped back. How'd you know that? 
I said, listen, man, I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm just a son. And my dad told me that you can't hear out of your right ear. And he's told me four times. So I think he wants me to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And he just looked at me and he said, man, I would love that. And I was like, could I, could I just lay my hands on your ears? Because this is always awkward enough already. Can I just? <laughs> and he's like 6'4". <laughs> and, you know, I'm 5'10", and so I'm like. <laughs> and we're in the, like, Home Depot contractor parking lot. And I'm doing this, and, you know, we're both kind of, you know, bigger fellas, so our bellies are touching, and we're. <laughs> And I simply pray for him. And I said, Dad, you told me he can't hear out of his right ear. God, I believe you can heal him. So I'm asking God that you heal him. And whenever, whenever you get into those moments where God wants you to pray for someone, it's probably not about the right ear. It's probably releasing love that they'll know that God loves them. And so I begin to pray for his ear, and then I just begin to pray for him. And I just, we'll call him Howard. His name wasn't Howard, but we'll call him Howard. And I'll say, hey, Howard, man, God loves you so much. And he sent me today just to tell you how much he loves you. And I think he loves you so much, he wants you to know that he knows you can't hear out of your right ear. And I'm asking God to heal it. And I'm believing that God's going to do something. And it may not be in this moment, but I believe it, he will bring about this healing. But I want you to know that God loves you. And we get done, and he just looks at me and he's like, man, I am so thankful that you came in today. And I, I asked him a couple other questions as I was praying. The Lord gave me a couple things about his, his mom and dad that his mom and dad were absent. And so I said, hey, your mom and dad? And he's like, no, man, they're, they're absent. And I said, you got a sister? Yeah, I got a sister. And I said, you know what, man, I, Howard, I just think God sent me in today. He didn't send me in for tile. He sent me in to have an encounter with you because he wants you to know he sees you right where you are. And he wants you to know that you're valued and he loves you. And so that's really why I was here today. So I want you to know that today. And he's like, man, he said, that means so much. And he's almost in the verge of tears in the contractor parking lot. And so he says, man, thanks a lot. And he leaves. What if that's ministry? And what if it's not hard? What if all you do is just take what you've received and give it away? I've received dad's love and I just want to give dad's love. And I want you to realize that. What if that's what Jesus did? What if Jesus wasn't trying to work up a sermon? What if Jesus wasn't trying to heal people? What if Jesus was so filled with the father's love and he knew who he was that wherever he went, he was filled with the spirit and he released this kingdom and people just got healed. People felt loved. People attached to his ministry because he set them free. What if that's the kingdom? And that's, what if that's what it looks like for us? What would it look like if we could just go and we could leave Marysville Synagogue and we could just go into our, king, our, our, little, our little kingdom here and we could just release the Father's love? But here's the key. You can't release what you haven't received. So if we haven't totally received the Father's love and you only can release the level that you're willing to go. So if you're standing on the shore and you're experienced just a little over your feet, that's what you're gonna release, which that's a lot. But if you're willing to say, no, I'm going deeper into the Father's love, I'm going over my head, I'm putting scuba gear on, and I'm going in deeper because I want so much of the Father's love and you begin to allow the Father to heal your heart and begin to take you through healing and he begins to just motivate you in love and you, and you literally can't get offended, you can't get upset. When people curse you, you bless them. Why? Because you realize dad loves you so much, man. He's done such a radical work in my life. I couldn't be upset at anybody, man. I just couldn't be because I, I was them. I was the prostitute. I was the elder brother. I was the religious one. And he radically set me free and he filled me with his love. And I just can't get upset at people because God loves them. And I want to release that to them. What if 
That's Christianity. Oh, Dad, that's what we're in for. Come on, God. Let us shuck the idea of ministry. God, because in the American church, we've defined ministry as something we do. And God, we even do it in our numbers. Father, we say, well, how many people came? Or we look at our events and we determine our events based on how many people came. Maybe more can happen in a Home Depot parking lot than could happen in a ministry event. What if it wasn't about us trying to pull things off? But dad, what if it was about us just receiving your love and releasing your love wherever we go? Father, that's what I want. And Father, I do, I give you permission. Take me deeper. Because if Tozer, who's way wiser than I was, if he says the love of the Father is inexhaustible, then I haven't exhausted it yet, and so I'm willing to go deeper, Dad. I'm willing to press in deeper to your love. Come on, Dad. And I know, I know what that means in my life. That means you're gonna put difficult people in my life because you want me to love them. You're gonna send me to difficult places because Jesus, you love them so much you don't wanna let them go. You're gonna send me hard assignments because someone's gotta love them because the world has pushed them aside. Dad, I realize that and I'm willing to step into it. I'm willing to go deeper into your love and I just wanna be such a conduit of your love, Dad. I want to be such a conduit of your love to the church, to your beloved Jesus, to your bride. I pray, Father, that the young people, Father, that they wouldn't get into religion. They wouldn't get into church, going to church. I pray, Dad, that they would have an encounter with you, that they become radically wrecked by your love that that love would transform them and change them, that they couldn't help but release what they've received. I pray, God, that we would realize you are good and not bad. And so many times, Father, we think the thoughts the enemy has placed in our minds are you. God, we think you're mad at us. We think you're angry. We think you're upset. God, that's not you. You are good. You are loved. You sent your son and said, it is finished. You love the world so much that you laid down the life of your son because you love us. Not because you're mad at us, not because you're angry, not because you're upset, but because of your great love. Jesus, you laid down your life for us so that you could call us brothers and sisters. And Jesus, you're looking at us and saying, come on, get into this. Jesus, we don't want religion. We don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to pull things off. We want to be so filled, Dad, with your love that we release it wherever we go. And so, Father, would you heal us from those moments of our lives where we didn't experience love? Would you heal us from those moments of our life where someone else didn't love us and we got wounds and we got hurts. Father, would we go so deep? Would we go so deep, Dad? Come on. Let your waves crash over the top of us. Don't let us stay at our ankles, Dad. Let us go deeper. Deeper, deeper, deeper. So, Father, would you just have your way? Oh, I don't know where you are tonight. And I usually don't all do altar calls on Wednesday nights. But I just have a sense that some of you just want to go deeper into dad's love. And I have a sense that you want to come and you just want to collapse into the father's arms up here at an altar. And you want to say, hey, I want to go deeper. And I realize what it'll cost me, but I'm okay with it because I want to receive his love and I want to release it wherever I go. And so if that's you tonight, I want you to come. I want you to kneel. And we're just going to spend some time seeking and some, spend some time responding. 
Maybe tonight you say, you know what, I'm not satisfied. Maybe tonight you say, you know what, I'm going deeper, but God's revealing areas of my life. My beloved, whatever God reveals in your life, he wants to heal. He doesn't reveal it for your hurt. He doesn't reveal it because he's against you. He doesn't reveal it because he's out to get you. He reveals the pain and the hurt because he wants to heal it. (laughs) So maybe tonight, dad wants to heal some areas of your heart. I don't know where you are tonight. But the altar's open. We're going to spend some time seeking and responding. Will you come?